Well, if you guys would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Peter. Um, tonight, we will take a brief walk outside the book of Acts, but it's not a total walk outside the book of Acts. Um, it's, it's related to the things we've been taking a look at in the book of Acts. We've been seeing scenes of Peter and John, um, this early Christian narrative of Acts. And, and tonight, for the sake of this emphasis on the local work God has called us to, to do, um, I want to take a look at something this very same Peter we learned about in Acts um, wrote really a few decades um, after. So um, 1 Peter chapter 2, um, verses 9 and 10, that will be our sermon text for tonight. And as is our custom, we will pair this with a reading from the Old Testament. And so um, Jessica Rush and uh, Emma Shepherd, if you guys can come on up, and they will be reading scripture for us. Our Old Testament reading is from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I have set before you today? And if you will, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. This will be our sermon text. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Lord, we ask in this moment that you, by the power of your spirit, would do the thing that only you can do. Lord, we ask that you would take these words that are in your word, that you would take the words that I've prepared, that would you, you'd use them, Lord, to great effect in our hearts and in our souls, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, tonight, I want to begin with um, a philosophy joke, okay? And um, this is a joke that I've told you before. So I'm, I've double prepared you now, okay, for the joke. Um, but here's how the joke goes. Um, there were two little kid fish that were swimming down the ocean current one afternoon. And as these two young child kid fish were swimming down the current, an older, wiser adult fish comes swimming the opposite way, and they stop, and the older fish says to the kid fish, or kid fishes, morning, boys, how's the water? And the adult fish keeps swimming, and the kid fishes keep swimming. And then the kid fishes look at each other and say, what do you think 
water is. That was the joke. <laughs> and, it, and it's a joke to try to make the point that sometimes it's the most obvious things. The most obvious things, you know, that are the hardest things to see, to understand, to remember. And I tell you that tonight because my goal for our brief time in God's word tonight is to try to tell you the most plainly obvious real thing in your life. It's the easiest thing to forget. It's the quickest thing to lose sight of. In many ways, it's the hardest thing to actually remember. But I'm not going to let it happen tonight. I'm not going to let you forget it tonight. Um, If there's one just sort of heart and soul philosophy I have for preaching, it's that people need to be reminded way more often than they need to be instructed. And so tonight, I want to remind you as plain as I can something that's true of you. Okay, so here's how we're going to do this. This sermon has three parts. I'm going to tell you what has happened to you. If you belong to Jesus, I'm going to describe what has happened to you. And then I'm going to talk about what that invites you and I to be and to do. And then thirdly, I'm going to remind you of the good news that in this calling to be this thing and in this calling to do this thing, you are not alone. So let's take a look, part one, what has happened to you? Now, in the next six to seven minutes, I'm going to announce and proclaim the good news of the gospel to you. Because here's what has happened. At some point in your life, if you belong to Jesus, someone announced and declared the good news of the gospel to you. Now, it might have come to you kind of gradually as you ate your cereal you know, at the breakfast table, slowly but surely, gradually, over the course of your life as you were brought up in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord as the ancient confession of faith tells us. For some of you, it happened to you somewhat suddenly, I know for me, it was a combination of both those things. Throughout my whole life, the gospel in many ways was declared to me by my parents, by caring adults in my life at church, by coaches, by teachers, by all sorts of people. But see, there was a moment when I was a senior in high school when I, capital H, heard it. I wonder if you know what I mean. But here's what you heard when the gospel was proclaimed to you. Here's what you heard. What you heard was an announcement that the God of this universe made you, delights in you, and loves you with an everlasting love. That you could not for one second ever improve upon the love that he has for you. And you could never actually diminish it in any possible way. You heard in this announcement of the gospel that God, when he made you, 
He stamped you to bear his own image, which is a way of saying he made you unique and he made you uniquely capable of participating in the world that he made. And when this gospel news was proclaimed to you, it was told to you very honestly that something has gone wrong. Something's gone deeply wrong inside of you that you possess has sort of a basic reality of your being. You possess this proclivity towards sin and that every other human person who's ever been born, it's original to who they are. They're sinners. We learn that this sinfulness that exists inside of us, we learn that it is totally inside of us, that it affects our thinking, it affects our being, it affects our doing, it affects our speaking, it affects everything about us into every part of who we are. When this gospel is proclaimed to you, you learn that this sin has your desires mangled and disordered to where your ultimate problem, just like mine, is that we love the wrong things. But see, when this gospel was proclaimed to you, someone also told you that that's not the end of the story for you. But they at some point told you about God's great and precious promises because this God who made you even when he sees you in your sin, when he sees you in the fact that you are dead in your trespasses, when he sees you in the darkness, he doesn't leave you alone there, but instead he is a God who raises the dead to life, who turns hearts that are like stone, they're hard, and he converts them into hearts of flesh. And when the gospel was proclaimed to you, you were told about Jesus Christ and how in his very person and work, he is reconciling the world to himself, including you. And that he entered into this world to take on your actual human situation so that he can know exactly what it's like to be you. That he can sympathize with you in your every weakness, yet he himself is without sin. That he's, been, he's come into this world as the light of it. The light of the world. And that in his life of perfect obedience before the Father, in his death on a cross, in his resurrection, in his ascension to rule the universe by the word of his power, and in his one day return, he is making all things new. And somebody told you about Jesus and told you that everything about Jesus, all that he is and all that he has done can be for you. Which means, among other things, that more can be healed and redeemed than you could possibly imagine. In his cross, forgiveness has been purchased for you. Shame has been born for you. A right standing and right relationship with the God of the universe is yours. And it's not because of anything that you have done. You've been given union, life-giving union with this Jesus. 
means the, into the darkness, light has come. The stranglehold that evil and sin and death have around you has been broken. That by the power of God's spirit, you can be reborn. You can be purchased back from slavery and sin, and you can be made alive in Christ. That was what was told to you, right? And hear me tonight. It is the most true thing about you. And it is true about you regardless of how you're personally feeling about it. On a dark Sunday evening. It's true about you regardless of how faithful to this Lord you have felt you have been, say, this week. See, what has happened to you, verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You were called out of darkness, and you have been called into marvelous light. It's easy to forget that, isn't it? It's easy to forget all of that, isn't it? Isn't that easy to forget? So that's what's happened to you. The gospel was announced and proclaimed to you. And it's invited you to be something and to do something. This is part two. Look with me again at verse 9 of 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a holy priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you now may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So when the gospel is proclaimed to you, you have been now invited to be in your person a living announcement of the good news of Jesus. Your whole life is a living announcement of this truth. Now, you might think tonight, really, Joel? Like, I just kind of go to work every week. But you go to work empowered by the... Holy Spirit of God living inside of you as an announcement of the good news of Jesus. People see your life and they think to themselves, what has happened there? This God must be great and glorious. You've been invited to be an announcement. And then according to 1 Peter chapter 2, you've been invited to be an announcer of this good news. Verse 9 again, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim. You're a proclaimer. You're an announcer. You are a Holy Spirit gifted, called by the God of the universe, preacher of the gospel. I mean, the word here, proclaim, literally means to publish or to tell, or to tell forth, or to herald. It could even mean something like divulge. I like that. It's like there's this secret thing that's now open for everybody to see. 
Now, of course, this happens with words. In the course of your life, you're given the opportunity to speak of the good news of Jesus. It also happens with deeds. And according to the book of Acts, as we've seen, and according to the larger argument of 1 Peter, these words that we announce with our mouths and these deeds that we do with our life, they mutually inform one another. See, when we speak the truths about Jesus, quite naturally, as God's people, deeds will follow. And when those deeds are done in the name of Jesus, it will make people wonder, wait a second, what is the reason for the hope that these people have? And then we get to tell of the good news of Jesus, which then leads to deeds that make people ask. And then we, do you see how it just works together? So what has happened to you is that the good news of Jesus has been announced to you and you've been made new. You've been brought out of darkness and into marvelous light. And the thing you're invited to be and to do is to be an announcement of the good news of Jesus and to be an announcer of this very same gospel. So part three, and this is such good news, part three. You're not alone in this. You're not alone in this task. Look at verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, when the gospel is announced to you, you were called out of darkness and into marvelous light. When you were called to be a living announcement of the good news of Jesus and to be an announcer of the good news of Jesus, that all happened in the context of you belonging to the body of Christ, to this new holy family, this new nation, this new people group, this new priesthood. See, God had set his love in a unique way on the people of Israel so that they could be a conduit conduit of his blessing to all the world. And Peter is telling us we are that people. We're not alone. First, we're not alone because the Lord Jesus Christ himself is with us and will not leave us or forsake us wherever we go. But in the very real sense, you're not alone. I mean, look around you tonight. You're not alone. You know, I'm a, I'm a bad judge of numbers of people, okay? I have no idea how many people are in this room. But I think it's more than 100, okay? I think it's probably less than 150. I have no idea. But you're not alone. John Island mentioned this. Rachel spoke to it. Our local team talked about it all the time. John Colburn preached about this in some ways just a few weeks ago. But tonight, as this announcement and as this announcer of the good news of Jesus, you don't have to be all things. See, because in this room, there are different gifts than you have. In this room, there are different opportunities than you have. 
in this room and um, throughout the course of our week, there are different places that other members of this body have been placed into that is different than yours. If you go look at our foyer, you're going to see a map that has flags that have been put up about where people at Grace live and where they work. And it's Grace's people dotted throughout the city in places that Joel Busby personally has not been called to be. I guess tonight I want to just celebrate the fact that this news of the gospel, this announcement, this announcing is happening. And it's happening through you here at Grace. John mentioned it, but there are people in this room, I can look at them and see them in this room who work with those who are vulnerable in ways that I cannot. There are people in this room who are perhaps raising kids that are different than my own. Um, In this room, there are people every week who are dotted throughout our city as the faithful presence of Jesus. We're getting to tell good news every week in places that I'm personally unable to go. In this room tonight, I'm not kidding. There are teachers, there are university professors, there are graphic designers, there are physical therapists, there are people who sell pumps that pump fluids, like fluid engineers. Okay? There are financial analysts, there are editors. There are other financial analysts. (laughs) There are nutritionists. There are pharmacists. There are video editors. There are professors. There's hospital chaplains. There's audio and tech people. This is me trying to look around at everybody I can think of and see. There are risk management people. There are nurse practitioners. There are more teachers, there are doctors, there are ER um, people, there are, um, there are another engineer, physical therapists, um, there are attorneys in this room, actually. Um, there are grad students, there are college admissions people, there are salespersons of all kinds. They're photographers. They're fifth graders. They're <laughs> coaches. I, I really would try to name everybody's job if I could. Each of you, in your own way, sent out from here every week, all week long, as a living, breathing announcement that the God of the universe is real and he rules this world. And to speak of the glory of what Jesus has done, it happens every single week. So here's my encouragement to you on the basis of 1 Peter chapter 2. For us as his body empowered by his spirit, to just keep pressing on. 
See, I'm just going to tell you, when you go to your respective calling, say, tomorrow, it might not feel particularly dramatic. But this idea of being the faithful presence of Jesus in our city, this is like a 20 or 25 kind of year vision that we're pursuing together. Y'all, I'm 40 years old. I don't know the future. I don't know what God has for me, but I would like to be the pastor of this church until I'm done being a pastor. So I think for the next 20 to 25 years, I means I'll be 60 to 65 years old. Can you imagine that? We just keep pressing on. Your leader will not always know the right ways to lead you into these things. But see, there are other gifted people like our local mission team that will be doing their best to do so. We won't always do it perfectly. But the Bible teaches us that as we are sent out as this holy people into all our places, both in extraordinary ways and ordinary ways, as we are sent out as this living, breathing announcement and these living, breathing announcers of the good news of Jesus, that we were participating in a thing that can never fail. Doesn't always mean it will be received. In the book of Acts, we see that it's resisted. But the promise is that all of this that God has done and he's doing through you will be caught up. It'll be caught up in this sort of great stream that is flowing toward this day. The Bible teaches us when worshipers are gathered from every tongue and tribe and nation, at least some of them will be from the Birmingham area. The Bible says that in that day we'll sing, salvation belongs to the Lord and to the Lamb. The Bible teaches that in that day we'll see Jesus' face. It's going to be a good day. Let's pray together.